Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, or retaining top talent. The unfortunate truth is that employers still misunderstand those employees and candidates with disabilities. This leads to fewer individuals with disabilities getting employment. Currently, the rate of unemployment among this group is 12.6%. That's 1.5 times the percentage of those without disabilities. Additionally, misinformation and false myths about people with disabilities often leads to their termination before other employees. Um, For example, approximately 1 million people with disabilities lost their jobs uh, just between the beginning of the pandemic and July of 2020. I'm sure if we looked at those numbers since then, that they only went up. That attitude needs to change because not only are people with disabilities as capable as any other employee, um, in some ways they even outperform their peers. And of course, it's morally wrong to fire people with disabilities. Um, we're pleased to have with us today, Carolyn Canestraro. She's a, a Wall Street expert at corporate America and a disability expert and advocate. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Wow, just hearing that introduction, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Just hearing those numbers and being part of the conversation in the community. It's just, it's astonishing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's upsetting to see. I know that part of that was that a lot of people that have disabilities have health concerns that made them uh, particularly susceptible to COVID. Um, and even if they weren't necessarily in danger, the, a lot of people removed themselves from the workforce, but a lot of people removed from the workforce. The, I'm going to do air quotes here, listeners, for their own good, right? Absolutely. You know, you see managers do that a lot with uh, with pregnant employees as well. Um, it's extremely misguided. At the same time, you know, now we're in a hiring crisis and, uh, and you know, you just let a bunch of people go that were really good workers and are ignoring a large percentage of the of the potential workforce. So we're just going to kind of unpack unpack these things. Um, I guess my first question is, why are employers so likely to get it wrong when it comes to individuals with disabilities? That's a great question, a real thoughtful question. Um, I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the perception in the community. You know, I'll share with you, I've been living with multiple sclerosis for 27 years. Um, and I actually feel um, honored in the sense that I actually was on both sides of the equation. So for the first 22 years, I was able-bodied, young woman in corporate America, ambitious, you know, looking to create this amazing life for myself. Um, and I was really part of that community that didn't understand um, and just wasn't even tuned into people with disabilities. Fast forward for the, for the next 27 years, I'm now someone that has a disability. So I really have a unique sensitivity and perspective, um, not only for people, but for um, hiring managers, working in corporate America. Um, And I'm a big believer in education. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, educating people. You know, you know, ignorance um, is not an excuse. However, it's, it's valid for a lot of people, they just don't know that they don't know what they need to know to be supportive. Um, And so when you say getting it wrong, it does occur like that. Um, And, and on the other side of the equation, you know, they're only at sort of the mercy of the environment we're in, the culture we're in. Um, and so I feel like, you know, continuing to educate people as to why it's important. I mean, one in four people are disabled. That's like 25% of us. Who else is hiding their disability? Afraid of retaliation, afraid of getting out there. Um, and to your point, exactly, be, being someone with a disability, I consider my disability my superpower because who I need to be to get up every day, to go to the grocery store, to get into my office, to open a door, um, it requires so much more energy and so much more pre-planning 
than, you know, someone who's able-bodied. Um, and I don't talk about that. Like I just open the door, plan to go to the grocery store, but there's a lot that goes involved, that there's a lot that's involved in those, those events. And if we take those skills and we could transfer those into the workplace, wow, like hyper-abled people, like we can do that much more because we deal with diversity on the front end every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've probably mentioned it before, but you know, I have ADD, ADHD, um, you know, and I think it's, it's like one of those quote unquote invisible disabilities. Uh, I don't have outward appearance that's any different than anybody else, but it does require an incredible amount of energy just to do what is normal and easy for other people, you know, and then I, I really understand what you're saying about that problem solving capability. Um, people like me ha- have to think about things outside of the box and from a, an alternative perspective or else stuff will not get done. And uh, it's so easy to overlook that. And it's, you know, it's something people don't want to talk about because yeah. for all the reasons that are obvious, you know, you don't want to be discriminated against. You don't want to have people look at you differently. Um, and that's most people don't have visible disabilities. Yeah. And I'll share with you something unique about myself. Like I was masterful at being invisible with my disability. Mm. Like early on, I just had back pain all the time. You know, my back bothered me. I had a limp when I was a little tired. I did not want to be seen as weak, inadequate as a woman in corporate America competing with men in the blue suits. You know, my, my goal, my mission was, you know, to be on point above, you know, going above and beyond with everything I needed to do to compete and win. And so for me, I, I loved hiding my disability. I wanted to be invisible. And I was very successful for like 15 years being invisible. Looking back, when I coach young students today that are out going to get their first career in, in, in the workplace, I'll say, look, you know, think twice about whether you want to hide that because it got to a point where I needed to disclose my disability. Mm. And I remember that moment in time, it was like, part of me was dying to myself. Like I didn't want to give that leverage is how I saw it up. And the irony was once I did disclose, not only did I get support from my company, everyone that I talked to knew somebody that had something that had something for somebody else. So it was like, I was withholding myself from being able to make a difference all those years before. And yet when I disclosed, I found a whole community of people open up. Um, but it's interesting what you say, like, you know, if, if I still had my way now, I probably would want to be invisible about it, you know, just because I know as a beneficiary of being a public about my disability that people just don't understand, you know, it's hard, and it's hard to be on that receiving end. So again, for me, it's all about educating corporate America, hiring managers. How do we reimagine hiring top talent, including those with disabilities? And, you know, I like to call it, uh, there's a name for it, like the diversity dividend, right? And there's a big study by McKinsey that came out recently that companies that hire for diversity and specifically for disability actually generate like 15 to 35% more revenue than companies that don't hire. So in addition to, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, the women's movement, the LGBTQ movement, people with disabilities, it's time for us to come to the table and to be able to translate our talent and our unleashed potential to corporate America and to see those revenues jump in those corporations as well. Can we talk a little bit about why that is? Why is it that that uh, people with disabilities bring such value to their organizations? Gosh, that's a great question. I believe because of who we are in our own lives, the, the adversity that we deal with. Um, for example, like 
we're in a pandemic now. I live a pandemic every day. So this is not, this is like, I'm so thrilled everyone is, you know, putting their masks on and doing what I have to do every day. Everyone's saying, you know, I, won't, I don't want to wear my mask anymore. But what about the person that's blind? I don't want to not see anymore. Or me, you know, I don't want to, I want to be able to run again, you know? And so it's such a relative um, perspective, you know? And, and I feel like we're in a conversation now that can be had that maybe couldn't be had. Our listening is in a different place. The possibility is open now for people to understand and be a little more accepting, tolerant, curious even about you know people with disabilities. Um, yeah, so I, I do find that um, it's, 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 it's challenging, but I feel like people that have disabilities are by default natural born winners. You know, mm. we are hyper abled as it is. You know, we wanna get up and we wanna get to the office on time, but what does it take for us to do that on the front end? Getting more sleep, getting hydrated, you know, stretching in the morning, like whatever it takes for, for people in our own, you know, scenarios with our disabilities to get up and running so that we get to the office like everybody else. And we can, because we want to compete with everybody else. We don't want our own little group. Right. Um, so we do want to have that opportunity. And, you know, I feel like particularly with hiring now, like you were saying, companies are on a, a hiring a curve a little bit more as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. You know, what does that look like? I think it's really critical for companies and, and CEOs, at, you know, at the top to sort of say, look, you know, what are, what are our statistics? Like, who do we have on our team? This is a chance to reinvent, reimagine, um, and to pull a team of people together in all walks of life, um, able-bodied and disabled, because truly that's that's the winning factor. Like that's that that's that win factor, having both communities work together and understand how we can provide and support each other in achieving those goals. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking with somebody the other day um, about diversity in general, and they were talking about how destructive it can be when organizations approach diversity uh, without, well, really without any kind of expertise, you know, and at the same, uh, and that's part part of this. And another part of this is that HR people tend to be, and that includes hiring managers, um, adverse to wanting to even know about people's disability status because um, it opens them up to liabilities. And so the intersection of those two things is that organizations that, that are going to listen to this or have, have gotten some information and are excited about trying to unlock a new level of talent and trying to be more open and inclusive are going to go out there and they're going to do a bunch of things that are wrong by accident. And they're going to hurt a bunch of people's feelings and they're going to get people to open up and then not, not do the yeah. right things afterwards. Can you talk a little bit about those organizations in particular, they've got the awareness, but maybe they don't have the understanding how they can approach this so that they maybe do less damage <laughs> while they're trying to help. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that that point of view, because it's, I even think it happens on the other side. So like there are people that are looking, people that have disabilities looking to be part of an organization, you know, and, and as they're doing their searches and they're doing their research online, you know, they want to know that it's a safe space, you know, and so how do they know on the front end? looking at their website, looking at the company website, doing the application, how do they know that there's an environment, there's a team of people where it's a safe space to be their authentic selves? Because that's the key at the end of the day. You know, I spent years decompartmentalizing myself on purpose. And the idea of, and the freedom of being able to bring my full authentic self to work every day is so much more attractive. There's, there's less suffering, I'm less exhausted, I'm so much more productive. Um, less cranky, you know, just it's all around a great experience. Um, and so I really feel like companies need to sort of take their temperature at this point and say, look, you know, with everything that's just happened in the last year and a half, where do we want to be going forward? 
Um, a lot of people are, a lot of corporations and people are looking to do hybrid models now for work. Um, on the one hand, that could be really attractive. On the other hand, I'm not so sure. You know, people with disabilities may want to get out of the house if they can and may want to get into the workspace with other people to have those conversations by the water cooler that you might not normally have if you're just working from home. So even though there's the convenience of that model, I'm very concerned that that may perhaps develop um, people a sense, develop in people a sense of complacency mm. um, in corporate hiring managers, a sense of complacency. And then we may have another disability developed down the road of people just being afraid to get out of their house and get into the workplace and be with people. You know, those soft skills need to continue to be front and center when we're having conversations in our companies and our families and, our, and in our communities. Um, so I would really invite CEOs and hiring managers sort of at this really tipping point moment that we have this really unique opportunity going forward to take their temperature and say, look, you know, what's our game plan? You know, with 15 to 35% increase in bottom line revenue for companies that hire for disability, that's not something to step over. You know, they may want to look and see like, how can we create a plan? Even if they, you know, sort of do baby steps with it in terms of how they want to recruit and hire for people with top talent that are disabled. Um, you know, I think that's something that needs to be really seriously addressed. Um, and so if I can encourage employers and hiring managers to take a step back um, and say, look, how can we incorporate this diversity into our plan, our hiring plan? Um, I, I'm confident they'll see results, not only from the talent side and the production side and the loyalty side, because people that have disabilities tend to be more loyal, um, but also on the rep side to their shareholders and their stockholders. Yeah. And the, the loyalty thing, I think, can't really be underestimated. This is something you see in pretty much every single disenfranchised group that's given a shot at organizations is is they're grateful that somebody finally decided to take a chance on them and that somebody decided to see them for a person and not just, you know, we were talking, I was talking with some, um, some formerly incarcerated um, experts just a few weeks ago, you know, it's the same exact thing. People that have served time stick with their jobs, not just because they have to make parole often, although not always, but they're just so excited to finally, you know, they've recruiting is brutal. Being an applicant is brutal to begin just, you know, even if you don't have those challenges, you might see 100, 200 job job applications going before you even get an interview. And when it's someone that is not your traditional great worker, quote unquote, it's going to be like 10 times that or five times that. So when when you say to them, you know, we're really willing to give you a chance and see you as an individual, uh, you you can't really underestimate how important that is to those people. Yeah. And I'll even take it a step further. I'll say it's up to the disabled community to step it up step up their game, you know? Yeah, it's a partnership. Yes, the, the corporations need to step up their conversations and increase their hiring practices for people that are disabled. And we have a responsibility as well, I believe as a community. Like if we wanna get that job, we need to get out there. We need to do our research. We need to ask for the position. We need to do our, our training. We need to get our skills up to date. We need to dress properly for the interview. So it, you know, it's, it's as much as it's the company's sort of uh, point of view and perspective to be attractive to people with disabilities, I'm a firm believer, someone that has a disability, you, you step it up too. You know, we are responsible to some degree for the, the myths that are out there, you know, the culture that's created. Um, we are not victims by any sense of the word. Um, and so like, if we, you know, if we want to stand out in anything, you know, we need to step up our game and we need to educate ourselves and we need to ask for the job, you know, take a chance on me. Um, and I think that quality, that's confidence, that's, you know, self-assertion, um, is is really what I think between able-bodied and disabled people like that we can ask for. You know, we don't have to just wait 
for the companies to come to come find us or put the sign out, you know, um, come join our team, like ask for the job, put ourselves out there, put ourselves on the line, take a risk. What, why wouldn't we? Yeah, no, it's a really, really good point. And now a quick word from our program exchange events manager, Madeline Kinney. The HR Daily Advisor Exchange is happening this October 17th and 18th in Kissimmee, Florida, and you're not going to want to miss the opportunity to attend. Join an exclusive group of your peers for two days of networking, highly interactive educational sessions centered around critical HR business challenges and best practices, as well as one-to-one business meetings to discuss your needs and priorities with top solution providers. Qualified attendees receive complimentary hotel accommodations at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. Registration and additional details are available on the HR Daily Advisors events tab. See you in Kissimmee this October for the exchange. Thanks so much. Back to you, Jim. Thank you, Madeline. And folks, uh, we will have a link to that events page in the description. Hey, that part you said about how you know people with disabilities are partially responsible. Do you mind exploring that a little bit more? Because I don't want our listeners to misunderstand that nuanced sure. point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, I, and all I'm saying is that, you know, we, we have a disability, right? And so that's where it starts and ends. You know, like I have brown hair. So, you know, how can I create my value? How can I sell myself, so to speak, um, whether it's, you know, to, uh, to a company, um, to a person to be in a relationship, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to create, like I, I have the responsibility, I'm 100% responsible for creating that, um, that space um, with the other person uh, to take that chance to put myself out there. I mean, that's the point of being alive, right? I mean, we want to be in action, we want to get out there. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I feel like it's a conversation, a, a two-way street, really, you know, and, and I think that's part of the education that I was referring to earlier. Yes, companies need to take an assessment. Where do they want to go with their hiring strategies for the disabled population? And being someone who has a disability, what's my role in that? You know, how can I empower the company to see me and, and people like myself, members of our community, as, you know, just as talented, even more talented, hyper-talented, hyper-abled, as I like to say, um, than some of our able-bodied counterparts. And I feel like we need to bring that to the table so that we can show our HR managers and our CEOs of our corporations, look, you know, we've got a lot to offer here. We're a great deal for the right company. Um, And I think that will start to shift the perspective and the culture and the conversation. Uh, One of the things, you know, one of the issues that we're running into with even just the whole talk about remote and working in the office is that it's not black and white. There's no, it's, you can't speak in absolutes. And yet the discussion often is an absolute discussion. Should they be at home? Should they be in the office? Even just saying the word hybrid is in of itself kind of a narrowing uh, concept, though not quite as much. And yet it's so much more, more granular than that. It, you're talking about there isn't a solution for all of your workers, you really have to get down into the the details of what works for this person, what works for that person, and find a way to deliver as best as you can to those needs. Um, and I, you know, I see this this issue being very similar. I mean, extremely similar. There's a infinite number of kinds of disabilities, so just as there's an infinite number of kinds of people. They have their their different struggles, their different needs and requirements. Um, and the discussion is going to be: Should we, you know? I can just imagine a bunch of organizations saying, oh, okay, we want to we 
hire more people with disabilities. Let's just look and see who's disabled in our organization. And now they have a very clear cut, uh, perhaps misguided idea. This is what it is. We have, we've got a guy in a wheelchair. Hmm. We've got somebody yeah. who has a, you know, has whatever ADD we've got. <laughs> and it's, and then they, that might stop. The conversation might stop there because now you've identified it and it's, it's clear when it really isn't. It's kind of a tricky point that I'm trying to make here, which is that how do organizations understand that these things are not black and white, that it's going to be an ongoing conversation. It's going to be a process, a journey that really never ends. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, and you're right. It, it, should have, it should have always been the beginning through, through this time as well. You know, and I think it's a great point that you make. Um, and it's a sort of a slippery slope a little bit. Um, I feel like we've got a lot going for us, though. We've got a new administration mm. where the, the, the mindset is a little more inclusive. Um, I feel like we've got a culture where the conversation at this point literally is so super sensitive. Um, and this is really the time, even in the media cycle, you know, things are happening. Things are happening very fast. Um, and so I feel like we really are at a tipping point, And the time is now to really embrace like you were saying, the conversation, um, you know, we have so many different options available, which is a beautiful thing. And at the same time, that can also be a real challenge. You know, the companies, I think, need to say to themselves, you know, where do we want to be? Where do we want to, what do we want to create for our employees going forward? The hybrid model could be an option. Um, and what's, what's involved with that? Um, and the other piece is too, like, I don't always believe, like I was sharing earlier, the hybrid model is the right model for someone with a disability. Like for me, I need to get up and walk. Like for me having MS, I get very stiff all the time. So to be home working on my computer virtually, that's like the worst thing for me physically. So for me to get out there and get my body going, you know, I will look for a role where I'm not at home. You know, I will look for a role that's not hybrid. Um, and so, and it's on a case by case basis. And I feel like companies need to really sort of do a self-assessment and say, look, you know, what do we want to offer? How do we want to be attractive to people? How do we want to sort of market ourselves to the culture coming into this new reimagined world that we're living in now. Um, hybrid may be an option, but I do believe that it needs to be very customized, you know, so to have those sensitive conversations and to have, again, people with disabilities feel free to express, you know, I have a disability. If they're not sharing that and they don't feel safe in the company to share that, they're not going to get their needs met. The company's not going to know that they have needs that aren't getting met. Productivity is going to go down. They're going to be upset. Like it's a whole cycle. And to your point, that could be sort of a negative cycle for everyone, and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so I would just encourage sort of everyone to be curious, to be just curious how we can make this conversation a win for everybody. And it's sensitive, and that's okay. You know, um, we're at a place now where I think people are a little more tolerant, a little more interested, and I feel like this is the appropriate time to continue that and really just have it launch that conversation to make a difference for the disabled community. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely feel, you know, what you're saying about the part of the responsibility being on people just being open about their, their disabilities. You know, part of the thing with uh, ADD is that in order to perform like other people, you have to put an extraordinary amount of pressure on yourself that inevitably will fail and you will do the things you do with ADD. You'll forget stuff. You'll overlook things. You'll be crass. Um, and if you haven't told anybody, then you just come off like, like an unstable jerk, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Get that. <laughs> and it's, it's one of, and then it's disappointing to yourself. Yeah. And then you, you know, it's, it, you can kick off a whole whirlwind of 
you know, emotions and chaos. And it's, I'm not saying, saying telling everybody you have it is necessarily the best thing, but at least they have a, a baseline or a framework to work off of when, when things go wrong, they're not going to say, you know, uh, man, my employee Jim is being unreliable again. And I don't know why they yeah. say, you know, he's going through some sort of challenge. Maybe it's related to his ADD and they'll maybe, maybe we'll give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah. It's important to you speak to something again, that I'm very passionate about bringing your authentic self to work, you know, and you get to choose, you get to decide, we all get to decide, you know, and there is no right answer, right? It's personal. And for me, it was don't tell anyone for for 15 years. And then because I was forced to, because I had some challenges walking, I needed to have accommodations. When I got to that point, then I was forced to, and I remember I said to myself, if they decide not to keep me or, or not, you know, have me on their team anymore, my choice is being true to myself. That's number one. And I was willing, but I had to get to that baseline with myself. I had to be okay with that. And I was, and then this miracle happened where they were just like, so accommodating. They went above and beyond. It was like this whole world I would have never imagined. And that's, like I said, that's a personal decision for everybody. Um, But my number one sort of message, if I could to, to people with disabilities and to hiring managers, the goal is to encourage people to bring their authentic selves to work, whatever that means. Um, and to have that safe space, to have those conversations. Um, and I'm part of a team where, you know, as, as new people come on board, it might, be, might, ha- it might make sense to have an ambassador, someone from a, the company or the firm that has a disability that if and when it's appropriate to have them as part of the recruiting process or the onboarding process so that they're not on their own. They're not feeling like with this anxiety, do I tell, don't I tell? What's, you know, what's the price that I pay if I disclose? Um, or if I don't disclose and I fall, then what's that price? You know, how am I going to be perceived? Um, so I think it, it's a fine line, but, but I do like what you shared about, um, you know, it's, it, you, it, the number one thing for me is being authentic, bringing that authentic self to work, bringing your whole self to work, however that looks today, that could change a month from now. But that's what I want people to pick their temperature on, to have that be what is that lead, how they lead their lives with that measure. Well, Carolyn, it's been a, a great conversation. Um, we're just about out of time, but do you have any final thoughts you want to share with our audience? I just want to thank you for having me. You know, having this this platform is absolutely extraordinary. I, you know, as I shared earlier, we are at a, at a critical point. I feel like it's a beautiful moment in time for corporations and people and our community, you know, and really worldwide, because we are global, we're a global community at this point, um, to have these conversations. And I hope, and I invite when your listeners, you know, do hear the podcast, um, that they kind of, they come from a place of curiosity and they say, you know what, I never looked at it like that before. Not all or nothing or black and white, like you said, but just an alternative way to look at things. And I feel like if the employers have that conversation and that curiosity and someone like myself looking to relocate or looking to get a new role within my firm, I, I have a little courage and a little uh, tenacity to get out there and, and say what I need and ask for what I want. I feel like it's a win-win for everyone. And I feel like that's the conversation that we're starting. Um, and it'll be a beautiful thing if we continue down this path for companies' bottom lines, as well as for people's truth in who they are in their own lives today. Well, you're absolutely welcome. It's, it's my pleasure to share this with our audience. Um, anything to get people thinking and to understand that every organization is somewhere along the path towards accepting and, and including people with disabilities or really all people, yeah. you know, and it, it can be a rocky road. Don't let that stop you from starting. If you if start today, if you haven't, start 
reading about it, start learning about it, take a, an inventory of your organization, of yourselves, and just get going. Because yes, you can make mistakes, and, and sometimes you can turn some people off if you do it wrong, but you won't get anything if you don't try. And it's the tippy-toeing, like you said, the baby steps. And yeah. mistakes are a beautiful opportunity to reassess and go forward. So having those breakdowns, making those mistakes, having those challenges right in front of our faces as we're going through these conversations, that's where the growth happens. That's where the possibilities get created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listeners, we're always interested in suggestions you might have for what we should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HRWorks Podcast with your suggestions, or if you have any thoughts or concerns about the podcast in general. We are also now available on Audible and Spotify. So that's pretty much every single outlet where you can get podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HRWorks.